Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you're just heading into work or you've got to move on with your day, you can still hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and you can listen to us whenever or wherever you want. A little later in the show, Walter Isaacson, author, journalist, president and CEO of the Aspen Institute, he is going to be here uh, to talk about uh, his appearance on Mackinac Island for the policy conference this year. We're going to talk to him about uh, the things that he has seen in his pretty remarkable career. He was CEO of CNN. He has written books about Apple founder Steve Jobs, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein, and Henry Kissinger. Uh, of course, we'll want to talk with him about the current political climate. Also curious what he thinks about the death of Roger Ailes, uh, who ran the Fox cable news network. So you're going to, want to stay tuned to that. We'll get to that at about halfway through the hour. But first, it is Friday, and uh, we have dedicated ourselves on Fridays this year to bringing in somebody who sees the world through a little different lens than I do. I think that's a really important thing for all of us to be doing right now, given the, the rancor of the presidential contest last year, the deep cleaves that exist in our culture. We all ought to be reaching out to the people who think differently than we do and inviting them in to talk about those things. Today, representing the opposite of Stephen Henderson is John Truscott, principal with the Truscott-Rossman political PR firm, former communications director for former Governor John Angler. Uh, John, welcome back to Detroit oh, Great today. to be here again. Thanks. I don't think I got your title right there, right? You were press secretary. Uh, for I was press secretary and communications director. Oh, well, see, yeah. there, there, I did get that right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's a, that's such a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> it is. We just had uh, the Michigan Political History Society did honored Governor Angler last week. Yeah. And, you know, seeing everybody that we worked with 25 years ago or I know, so. that's 25 was, years. You know, I, I joined his campaign child, in 1989. Right? Yeah, yeah pretty that, much. I mean, People say I was like 12 years old. I was actually 21 when I started. Is that right? You were 21? I was 21. Wow, wow. So you have been at this for a long time. I don't know if that's a good thing. I've seen a lot of changes. You know, I still enjoy it. I'm still smiling and having fun, so it's still a good thing. All right. I want to start with what is going on in Washington with the president, this fledgling administration which doesn't seem to be able to get its footing, and it does seem to be tripping, I guess, more often than not, over the president himself, his his misstatements, his uh, his gaffes, uh, things like that. Uh, this week was a pretty remarkable week, I thought, in terms of the news cycle out of Washington. Uh, this this uh, question of what now James Comey knows and when we will know about it, the things that have been alleged about his uh, his interactions with the president, some of them that, that that seem at least on the verge of of criminal activity, perhaps. Uh, I, I, I'm asking all Republicans right now uh, what they think about what's going on. I mean, this is not this is not what anybody imagined. No, and I I might look through it through a slightly different lens, a, a communicator type lens, and uh, obviously the way they're handling a lot of things right now is really clumsy. Yeah. Um, I would have given the previous statements from the last year from Democrats who wanted Comey fired. Mm -hmm. 
if I were the president of the president's people, I would have had a note drafted to all the Democrats who had called for him to be fired and said, just wanted you to be one of the first to know since you had called for him to be removed. <laughs> I'm doing and I, I just did it. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of inoculates yourself. I don't think that this administration has really gotten the political thing down yet. Um, they're still making a lot of mistakes, and any new administration is going to do that, yeah. especially one that has so many outsiders uh, involved and people who didn't know the president when he was a candidate. Uh, so there's not that intellectual uh, connection in terms of trying to get in front of where he's going. So I think those mistakes have tripped them up significantly. Yeah. I do think um, if anybody is able to learn uh, and learn from it. I think they can get back and 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 right the ship. I look at some of the problems that that we went through with with Governor Angler. Similar situation where you had to make a lot of really tough decisions, a lot of budget decisions, and we had people shooting at us right, left, you know, from behind everything. And we made our mistakes, but we also had we were working for a governor who really knew the political machine and yeah. how to get things done. And that was a, a big difference. But we eventually got in control and got in front of the messaging and, and fixed our problems. Yeah. Uh, the substantive issue here, though, this question of whether the president was interfering in this Russia investigation, the, the bigger question of whether there is anything to this investigation, that, that uh, uh, if there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government during the presidential campaign that last year, these are these are huge questions about this administration, but they also, I think, they challenge the Republican Party in a way that we haven't seen in a really long time. And we're seeing different people, I guess, handle that differently. We saw two uh, two of our congressmen here in in Michigan stand up and say, "Hey, look, if if this is true, it's a big problem." We've sort of seen silence from everybody else. Uh, it puts people in an odd position, though. There's no question. Yeah, and I don't think anybody really knows. So are, are you willing to stick your neck out? And probably not. Uh, again, this is not uh, a president who has a lot of loyalty from the party. He hasn't been a member of the party. So he's coming at it from a, a much different place. I personally believe if there's anything there on Russia, it would have been out by now. I mean, do you? Washington leaks like crazy. <laughs> well, <especially laughs> they can't right keep now. anything quiet. So I do think something do would have been there. That, do you think that, I mean, to believe that, you'd have to believe that all of the things that we've seen, all of the little bits and pieces uh, that suggest that there was a pretty strong relationship are just coincidence. I mean, uh, is it that you believe that, for instance, like Mike Flynn was not involved with the Russians? Or do you think that the president was maybe... Uh, sort of uh, cordoned off from all of that. Yeah, so. I don't think the president was involved, and that's just just my opinion. I'm in, you know, you can never know everything that the people around you are doing. I do find some of the Flynn stuff disturbing. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I don't know the the extent of it. I find it really hard to believe that somebody with that much experience and had that been that involved at a high level would make mistakes like that. Um, if he did, shame on him. Yeah. That's really bad stuff. <laughs> but well, we'll find out. I do think appointing a special prosecutor is is definitely the way to go to clear the air. It should take the issue off the table for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly gives the president's people an adequate response. Hey, let's just wait and see what the results are. And if he's vindicated, then they can do a victory lap uh, yeah. on that. And it may be at a time... who. A friend of mine who was a former assistant U.S. attorney just he told me one time, the wheels of justice turn really slow. They do. And so, you know, this could be four years, eight years, who knows? Yeah. But at least it should be 
taken off the table for a little while. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Truscott, a principal with the Truscott Rossman political PR firm. Uh, we are talking about the week's news, uh, as we do around here on Fridays, and invite other people in who have a different view of the world than I do uh, to talk about that news. We were just talking about uh, the Trump-Comey memos and the budding investigation now handled by a special prosecutor in Washington. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work your comments into the conversation. You know, uh, John, I, I, I want to ask you about um, – about the president's tweeting, and and I think uh, I, I don't think you and I have had a conversation about this, but I don't think we have. Uh, yeah, but but I mean, you're somebody who had to handle communications for uh, a governor, uh, Governor John Engler. And this is in a very different era when uh, he probably didn't even have a cell phone. <laughs> we had bag phones back <laughs> then, the, the, the big, big beast things, of a phone. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I, I'm curious what you think about how he uses that medium which I think is, is more complicated than just the, the sort of blurting tweets that, uh, that we see every morning. I mean, he's, he's actually been pretty sophisticated about the way he leverages social media, and I think a lot of his support actually is about that social media uh, presence that uh, a lot of people feel like he's talking to them yeah. directly. But, but I wonder what you would be saying to president or what you would have had to say to, to to John Engler for instance if you know if he had this phone in his hand all the time and and was doing things with it that that were complicating not just your job but but the the overall administration I don't know if I could do that job it'd be like walking in with PTSD every single morning <laughs> um, I would just be beat up and um, so and and I think with this president um, just his personality, he makes some rash decisions and sometimes, many times, gets out in front without having all the information. And when you're dealing with such highly sensitive issues globally, that's a pretty tough thing to do yeah. because you can make some mistakes. From a pure communication standpoint, I'm kind of in awe about how he can set the agenda, go around the media that's covering him, and get his point out there without having to deal with things in a traditional sense. So from that standpoint... We saw it during the campaign. Mm -hmm. We've seen it continue with the administration. He can make the news in a completely different way than anybody's been able to do previously. So from that standpoint, he has changed the way world leaders communicate. Yeah. I mean, would you would you be tempted just to snatch the phone? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd probably <laughs> step on it or throw it out the window <laughs> or right. whatever. It's like, this is killing yeah. us, right? Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think there's a way, if he could be disciplined, there's a way to really effectively use it. But I think one of the reasons he has so many followers and is able to, to set the agenda the way he is is because he's unpredictable. He just does whatever. Yeah, right? and so people have to pay attention to it. It's, it, I think textbooks will be written on this in the future yeah. about how he changed the way world leaders communicate with their constituents. Yeah, I, I, I almost, I'm almost certain that the next presidential campaign we will see candidates tweeting a whole lot more. Uh, than they than they used to, and trying to mimic, I guess the the, the better dynamics uh, of of the way Trump used. You know, it's really a way to bring voters, followers into the campaign and make them feel like they're personally connected. Yeah. Um, one of the campaigns I worked on years ago was Dick DeVos's campaign for governor, and 
we did video blogs at the end of every day and recapped in video terms and with Dick talking to the camera um, what happened and, and showed people what we were doing every day. It was really the first time that had ever been done. Yeah, yeah. And you look how far, that was 06. <laughs> so a decade later, what we're doing now, I mean, it's real-time tweeting, photos, streaming, mm-hmm. everything. So it really brings people in. I I think that's wonderful in terms of bringing people in and allowing them to see the campaign in real time, what's going on. It also provides an opportunity for some pretty major mistakes yeah. that could torpedo a campaign. No, that's right, and some mischief, of course. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, I was just kind of concerned when I heard your, your guest say that, um, you know, this Russian thing really is nothing because if there were something to be leaked, it would have been leaked already. And I kind of heard that also from uh, President Trump. But, you know, we've heard of countless investigations about Benghazi for years, and nothing ever came out of that. And I'm just wondering, why don't we have at least one investigation into this Russian thing, which could have cost us our election? Yeah. Well, I mean, we do have we have several investigations into the Russia thing. I mean, it's not just uh, the Justice Department uh, investigation, but you've got the Intelligence Committees. Uh, in the I guess Senate what I'm House. saying, though, is this idea that, you know, if there was something there, we'd have heard about it already. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I keep hearing about, you know, Eric Trump saying about all his um, loans from Russia, and and we have you know a minor thing about a, a billionaire buying a property and making you know fifty million dollars um, from the Russians. Yeah. I, this is all very troubling. Yeah, I I agree with you, Robert. I think I think it is really troubling. I think that uh, I think there is something there. Uh, John, do you want to you want to respond to what Robert's yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I think I wanted to hear from the guest. Yeah, go well, ahead. <laughs> you know, we we hear a lot of speculation. I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up Benghazi because I was going to do that. You know, eventually, just in terms of you hear there, you know, there's a lot of smoke mm-hmm. uh, around it. A lot of investigations. Um, we knew that Susan Rice and Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, lied about what the root cause of it was. I always wonder what happened to the guy who produced the film. Is he in witness protection or something somewhere? Um, but, you know, that went on for a long time, really didn't produce anything. So we have at least a history of this country in raising a lot of issues, having a lot of smoke around them, but then never really bring it to a conclusion that people are satisfied with that yeah. really amounts to something serious. So, you know, who knows where this is going? I do think. The appointment of Robert Mueller is probably the best appointment that there could have been. Somebody who's straight arrow, respected by both sides of the aisle, and just a good lawman. So it takes it out of the political It, it really does. Nobody can ever accuse him of being biased one way or the other. So I do think we will get straight, true, real answers. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I think uh, the, the comparison to Benghazi is, is interesting. Uh, I, I think the difference here is that... Uh, there is there is potential criminal activity that that uh, that the president and the people around him may have been engaged in. I mean, and I don't know that that was ever sort of the the sphere of discussion around Benghazi. And you know, I mean, this this obstruction of justice question that uh, that is now or, or coming up because of the things that are being said about what Jim Comey has in his notes. I think it raises it to a really different level. Um, it does Benghazi, you know, we were, it was actually a cover for running weapons and things like that. So maybe not directly criminal, but you know, depends on how it was executed (laughs) at the time. Um, the, the Comey thing, you know, a lot of it will depend on timing of when statements were made. 
and and we just don't know. I mean, right. statements could have easily been made, but if it's after the fact, after things are done, it takes on a whole different tone than if it was done before. So I just say, you know, it, this is going to be a long time <laughs> before we really know. Uh, and I I do think if the president handles this right, he can get things to calm down in the meantime and and uh, have an adequate statement and and just move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, thanks very much uh, for that call. Let's go to uh, Anthony in South Lyon. Anthony. Welcome to Detroit today. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's really troubling to me is just how the whole Republican Party just won't own this mess. They make excuses for him. It's okay to be an outsider, but he's not an outsider. He's a big baby. He makes everything (laughs) about him. He will flat out lie, and nobody will call him on it, not even his own party. You don't, you don't have to call it a lie. Just tell us, say, hey, you know what? This ain't true. I mean, <laughs> let, let's, let's be real about this. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, uh, thanks very much uh, for the call. Uh, again, that gets to this difficult position I think Republicans are in. And as you point out, a lot of Republicans weren't in favor of Donald Trump being the nominee. Right. They got, you know, I mean, that's what and voters ended up uh, ended up presenting them with. But but it it does seem like we're having a hard time with Republicans calling him out. Uh, you know, I don't agree with that. But it's been they've been calling him out in a, in a different kind of way. There have been many occasions where the speaker has stood up. Speaker Ryan has stood up and said, "Well, you know, I don't agree with him," or uh, you know, they've done it in. I guess people are so used today that if you disagree with somebody, you have to have a shouting match. And that's not <laughs> always the way you have to be disagreeable. And I, I have seen leaders in Congress, um, you look at what John McCain has said, there have been new, uh, Lindsey Graham sure. has not been, you know, there have been times he's agreed and disagreed. Speaker Ryan, there have been a number of them that they've stood up after the president has said something and they have disagreed, but they've done it respectfully. And so I, I think people are just, kind of inoculated against well, a respectful comment these days. Some of that is because they were not as respectful when they disagreed with the past president. I mean, if you think of the things that uh, that Republicans did and said about President Obama, who, by the way, was never involved in anything even approaching what we see Donald Trump caught up in in the first few days of his administration, you know, uh, there, there was this constant nastiness uh, out of people in Congress uh, in some cases, while the president is speaking to to, to the Congress, uh, the 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 Uli, uh, outburst that that uh, that happened. I mean, there is a contrast that I think people are taking note of. Well, and the president also got a lot more. President Obama got more a lot more political than previous presidents had gotten, and and it just it fed on the animosity that I think just exists in our political system today. Yeah. Okay, again, 313-577-1019 on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. John, I want to change the subject just a little bit uh, and talk about the idea of part-time legislature, which is something Mm -hmm. that uh, Speaker Tom Leonard here in Michigan in Lansing brought up this week as, as an idea. It's something that people have kicked around for a while, you know, I, I you work you you work in Lansing now, of course, but you were part of the Engler administration. I wonder if you think that would that would be an advantage. I mean, uh, lots of people are very frustrated with the, this legislature, uh, the, the one we have right now, and their inability to get a lot of stuff done. Uh, there's there's you know not a lot of experience uh, in the in the legislature to know how to get things right. done. Is is making them part time? Um, is that going to make it better or or worse? 
I, I think it's an intriguing idea that's worth worth exploring. Uh, I think if you go there, you at the same time should lengthen term limits. Um, and I know the general public doesn't see this on a, on a daily basis, may not see it at all, but anybody who's worked in the system or had to work with the legislature to try to get something done, it's it's a very frustrating place it's these really days. really different and than it, it used it's, to be. You know, there are still a lot of smart people serving, but they just don't have the experience or the background to make really tough decisions to get things done. And they're well-meaning, uh, but then the House and the Senate can't agree and and. You know, when you're dealing, we're dealing right now with a governor who is an outsider who doesn't have the political backing. So you 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 have a lot of people who are novices yeah. making multi-billion dollar decisions, and it's very frustrating. And and no offense to you, but uh, what it's done is it's made the people who work outside government in Lansing, the influencers, way more powerful. I mean, you know, uh, I really wish that were the case. I wish <laughs> we're dealing with a lot of issues right now. Um, an economic incentives package uh, that Michigan and Alaska are the only two states without any economic tools in the toolbox to attract business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of members of the House are saying, well, no, we just disagree. <laughs> and, and you can't talk them into it. Well, if they want to come here, they're going to come here anyway. And I say, well, if you're searching for a mortgage for your house, do you go with the better rate or do you are you willing to pay more? Right. That's the decision that businesses are making. Are they going to get a, a, a rebate or a discount or are they going to pay more? And we can't bring people to accept basic economics 101. They don't understand how the real business world works. So, so you you feel like it's it's harder as a lobby? I mean, you're not really a lobbyist, but uh, uh, is it harder to get things done? It's much harder to get things done, and I think part of it is because you don't have the relationships that used to exist. And again, I'll go back to uh, the, the roast, turned into a roast for Governor Engler the other day, Art Miller, who was the Senate Democratic leader, was one of the speakers and was absolutely hilarious. But he talked about the relationships that they had built over 10 or 20 years. And I'm not saying anybody should be a career politician. I don't agree with that either. But the fact that you can't look somebody in the eye, you know their family, their kids, you've had experiences with them before, you know what they need to get things done. And even Art said, you know, they could fight it out for weeks, but in the end, there was a respect for the institution that you had to get things done. Right. And that really doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 on the phones. Uh, I'm talking with John Truscott, principal with the Truscott-Rossman political PR firm. Uh, we are having our normal Friday opposite conversation. Uh, bring somebody in who sees the world a little differently than than I do. Again, 313-577-1019 on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. Uh, let's go to uh, Paul in Oakland Town- Township. Paul, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Um, I'm just curious about um, your guest's opinion about Donald Trump as, as an individual. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to bring up the Access Hollywood tape, but yes, I do. Um, I don't want to believe bring up the name calling, the fact that he lies, the fact that he's just all and out and out a miserable person, and the fact that his job not only as president is not just to make businesses thrive. I mean, why is it always about businesses thriving? What where's the social aspect of 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 bringing um, uh, the people together? Isn't the president's job partially not just to side with business? This attitude that 
If I'm okay, you're okay. When I talk to Trump supporters, the first thing I hear is, well, look at my 401k. <laughs> yeah, but what if he would have said to your sister the things that he did on that bus yeah. in Access Hollywood? Would you still support him because your 401k is good? Yeah. Uh, Paul, That's a. I, I think that's a really wonderful point. Uh, John, uh, Brian Dickerson, one of my colleagues at the Detroit Free Press, wrote a column last uh, last year during the election about – how basically, uh, you know, any father would would not let uh, their their kids behave the way that uh, Donald Trump does, and any father wouldn't want their daughter dating somebody who was behaving the way Donald Trump did. You know, talk about how you reconcile those things with uh, your support for some of the things that, that that he wants to do. He is. A pretty detestable guy in a lot of ways. Well, I'll just say Bill Clinton did some of the same things, and we had a good economy. <laughs> That's always and people, the answer people for took a pass on it. Well, do you really think there's that, that much of a comparison between Bill Clinton and Donald I do. Trump? I know some of his former Secret Service agents, and I've heard a lot of the stories. <laughs> but he was more successful in keeping it private. Um, you know, the the Monica Lewinsky thing finally caught up with him. But um, you know, going after somebody so young in the White House. Um, anybody else without the personality and the economic success that the country was experiencing at the time, he would have been done in for. Um, I am not a Trump defender on personality and things like that. All I can say is I know a number of people who have met with him who didn't know him before that meeting and have come out and said the person that you see is, when you're meeting with him one-on-one, is focused, extremely smart, and he drills down on questions to get to the place where he gets the information he's looking for, and they all walk out really impressed. And I I take it back to, I, I met Bill Clinton a number of times when he was president, and I heard other Republican, very conservative politicians saying they really liked him as a person. Yeah. He had a personality that drew you in. He was very smart. Um, and you just, you wanted to go have a drink with him afterwards. Yeah. He was that kind of guy. I think Trump has that on a personal level, that same type of impact on That's people that meet with them and deal with them one-on-one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Truscott, principal with the Truscott-Rossman political PR firm. As always, thanks for being with us on Detroit Today. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you up on Mackinac. Yes, we will. In a couple of weeks. All right. Uh, up next, a conversation with author Walter Isaacson, former CNN chair and CEO and managing editor of Time. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm.